If you're a fan of the show and you'd like to see more episodes being made, I need a huge favor from you. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow on Spotify. Write a review. Tell me what you think about the episodes. Share it with a friend. Anything you can do, any little bit, would be tremendously helpful. Thank you. My name is John Vasiliadis. Welcome to Unspeakable. Lacey, thank you for being on the show. Hi, thanks for having me, John. For the viewers at home, Lacey was on the former advance team for Andrew Yang's presidential campaign, and now she's the host of a podcast called Rethinking Humanity. Uh, I listened to the first episode. It just came out. It's really good, and we'll get all into that. But uh, I first just want to go straight into it. Like, what's your story? How did you get into politics? Yeah, thanks, John. I uh, appreciate the compliment on the um, podcast. Um, I am want to give you some uh, props too because I really enjoy the way that you're approaching your podcast as well. And so we're both new podcasters. So <laughs> here's to that, and um, may we both, you know, continue to to do well with it. But um, well, how did you. I get into politics? I certainly uh, never expected that I would. I certainly never thought that I would be on staff for a presidential campaign. Um, but I actually uh, found out about Andrew Yang through the Young Turks in November of 2018. Right. And I was like, okay, this guy is talking about basic income. That's pretty <laughs> cool. But at that point, I was very much a Bernie person. And so I was kind of, yeah, I was kind of blinded by, you know, burning at that point. And so I followed, I followed Andrew on Twitter, but it, it wasn't enough at that point for me to be like, yep, this is the guy. And then, um, when the Joe Rogan podcast came out, I listened to it mm-hmm. and it was particularly the, the second half of the interview that I was like, all right, this guy, this guy's better than Bernie. Like I, I hate right. it. I hate to admit it right now because I, <laughs> you know, been a Bernie supporter, but he's better. He's better. And then I listened to his book and then I was like, holy crap, this guy is beyond, beyond what we, you know, could have ever hoped for, for a presidential candidate. And so I was like, what can I do? At that point, we were just trying to get to 65,000 donors and get onto the debate stage. And I'm like, what can I do? So I said, let me just go hold up some signs at this busy intersection (laughs) near my apartment here in Atlanta. And uh, wait, so when was this? Do you know what month of the campaign this was? That was in um, March. In February is when I listened to the book. And then uh, I was actually sick and had a, it was a couple weeks before I could actually. So this was March of uh, 2019. That's right. Wow. Yeah you know, that was the beginning. I tweeted pictures out of that. And then Andrew retweeted that and and responded. And I was like, damn, wow, I didn't expect that. (laughs) Uh, And then the next thing you know, I helped plan a a rally here in Atlanta for the campaign. That was in April of 2019. Right. And, you know, the rest is history. So what I find really interesting, there's a couple things I find interesting about that. The first thing is, I feel like most people I talk to that like Yang or even have heard of Yang 
it's it all boils down to Joe Rogan. So it's just like uh, fascinating that one interview really changed an entire uh, movement and political ideology almost in this country. So, so it, I mean, it's certainly led you on this path and it certainly led to us talking to each other right now. I think the other interesting thing that you mentioned was you were a Bernie supporter. Were you a Bernie supporter from 2016? No, no. I had just started to pay attention to politics. Gotcha. In 2018. I actually dated a guy who was here on an H1B visa and he was very involved in politics and knew about Bernie. He told me about Bernie Sanders. I'm like, wow, that guy's like actually thinking about working people, you know? Right. And um, so anyways, he ended up having to leave uh, due to some changes in the laws under the Trump administration with visa renewals. Oh, that's horseshit. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. But it, but what was great about it is it really spurred me to action. I was like, right. you know what? If I don't do something, nothing's going to change. And, and right. I don't know that what I do is going to change everything. But at least I'll know that I can feel good that I'm doing something to, you know, to put some effort out there towards changing things. Right. I think there's like this general sense to be apathetic or to say to shun the idea of politics is like something why would you you get invested in it but um it does have very real tangible effects in people's lives every day and it certainly has had in your life so yeah i applaud your uh your activism there so you like bernie in 2018 um i'm sure you know you have your reasons what led you to switch allegiances to jump from the Bernie boat to the the Yang boat? So I think the big moment for me was uh, when Joe Rogan was interviewing Andrew Yang and he was asking about college. Why not college for all? Um, And Andrew said, well, the reality of the situation is, is that we're prescribing college, 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 and not everybody goes to college. Not everybody excels in college. And we need if you look at the numbers between here and Germany, we need more folks to go into trades, you know? Right. Uh, and so I was like, wow, this, he, he's thinking so much deeper about all of these issues than, than Bernie is. Bernie is giving a good, but a more of a blanket, like, well, let's just make college and university free. Well, but guess what? There's a right. lot of people that don't excel at that or are not going to go to call. They're just not. But if they have, and, and Andrew said this in the interviews, like, but if they have a basic income, if they want to go to college, they can go to college. If they want to start a business, they can start a business. And that's the area in our economy right now. And that's his background we're, that's suffering so much is we're, our uh, small businesses. Businesses are not being created and right. all of our top talent is going to the same places. Right. Yeah, it's really fascinating. I think a lot of people like to conflate uh, Andrew Yang's campaign and Bernie's campaign as like, oh, they're both outsiders. They're both, you know, speaking and messaging towards working people. But in my view, I think they're starkly different. And I don't even know if they're necessarily uh, as much political allies as people like to claim they are. That's true. And you know what? I have to say, I mean, I watched the Young Turks pretty regularly for a while in 2018. And whenever I heard Andrew about the basic income, I'm like, progressives are going to love him. Basic right. income? That's as right. progressive as it gets. Guess what? They didn't. I was <laughs> like, what's going on here? I was shocked. So, 
you get a job with the campaign and well, first you start by uh, holding signs up and the campaign, Andrew retweets that the campaign reaches out to you. What was the, were you immediately a paid staffer from there? Were you a volunteer first? Like what was that journey like? No, no, totally was a volunteer here in Atlanta for multiple months. That was in March. I didn't go on staff until October. So, oh, wow. Yes. And so after we did the science thing, I uh, was probably the most gung-ho person in Atlanta that I knew of about like, let's go do stuff. Let's tell people about Andrew Yang. Because, you know, the thing about Andrew is it's like he's brilliant, but nobody knew who he was. So our job right. was exposure right get his name out there so right. i was uh by default i became the leader of the atlanta yang gang because i was just like let's go do shit every weekend you know that's amazing so, yeah so we did a we did tons of events here in atlanta we did some really fun stuff like i'm a soccer player and fan and we have a new soccer team here in atlanta atlanta and, united yeah. yeah i'm very familiar we did uh, a free beer when you google andrew yang at an atlanta united tailgate oh wow uh, that was so much fun. People loved that. And they were shocked. They're like, you're really going to give me a free beer? I'm like, yeah, I really am. You know, That's and I'm amazing. not going to force anything down your throat. I just want you to like, you know, just Google him. Just maybe take a look at him after the game. Right. So we had so much fun doing that. But we, we probably, I think I counted, we did like 45 events between February, March. And then when I went on staff and I ended up, you know, someone else took over the group whenever I went on staff right. uh, in October. But you know, what it boils down to is what I did in, in April and planning the rally here in Atlanta uh, was exactly what I ended up going and doing on the campaign, except on steroids because we did so many events. And so right. basically the fact that I had that experience, the fact that I had made a really good connection with the campaign with Carly, with Zach, uh, when they were here and, and with Andrew too. Um, and I just reached out to them in October or, or previous to that. And I said, Hey, I think I might want to do this full time. I think this is the most important thing for me to spend my time on right now. And I'm doing it. I'm doing it like 50% of my life. I might right. as well do it. And the campaign was receptive to that. Absolutely. They said, yeah, like we, we would love to have you on. So board. they ship you to Iowa or New Hampshire or. Well, it was so early at that point. Uh, we weren't like so heavy in Iowa, New Hampshire. Uh, but I was working on the advanced team, which is the team that travels with the candidate and the support team to execute the events that he, he is at. Very cool. So I ended up, I was in California. I was in Seattle. I was in, you know, Iowa, New Hampshire, New York City. Right. Wherever Andrew was uh, between me and we were a team of four for a while and then ultimately became six. So, yeah. So Iowa happens and Andrew doesn't do perhaps as well as he would have hoped. How did, how do you feel about that? How did the campaign feel about that? Well, I think we were all a little shocked. Uh, we had just spent 17 days uh, going really hard in Iowa. Right. Uh, day bus tour two to three events a day at least right so i mean he spent a lot of time in that state and he towards the end he got a lot of press and i felt like there was something 
happening. But I, I mean, I have to assume it's the caucus rules probably didn't help him. Like in 2016, the caucus rules helped Bernie. I don't mm-hmm. think the caucus rules helped Yang in this case. I agree. I agree. I think if it was not a caucus state, we might have seen something different. Right. But yeah, it was definitely shocking. And as, as of course, like we decided we were going to suspend, that was really shocking, especially for someone who had started as a volunteer, believed in the campaign at such an early state. Right. And, um, and just, you know, it was less about like, oh, Lacey's not going to have a job anymore. <laughs> <laughs> We're like, oh man, like this guy, we had this guy and we passed up this guy. Why, why are we not going to elect this guy? He's so great. So Andrew Yang drops out. He endorses Biden fairly quickly. How do you, how do you feel about that choice? Do you agree with that choice? Do you disagree with that choice? Yeah. I mean, I think the numbers were there. Um, And so I don't have a problem with that. Is, is he my first choice? Definitely not. Um, but I understand completely where uh, Andrew's head was uh, right. in doing that. And so, you know, it's unfortunately we're, we're kind of in a situation, I think, where we don't, we don't get to vote for the guy that we all super love and are passionate about. And, right. Uh, in this go round. But at the end of the day, I, I definitely would like to see someone other than Donald Trump in the White House. <laughs> Do you think Andrew Yang has a bright political future ahead of him? I certainly do. I, I can't imagine that he doesn't make another run in 2024. I have no inside information on that. Right. Uh, but, but it just seems very likely to me right. that he will. Whether it's president or people were even saying mayor of New York. I, uh, yeah, who knows about the mayor of New York, but I can't imagine him not running for president again in in 2024 and being in a really good position at that point. I mean, we start where we ended, which I imagine we will as far as, you know, name uh, recognition and people knowing uh, who he is and and attendance. I mean, we were our crowds were growing at the end. I mean, we were having, we had a lot of people showing up to these events. So right. if you start there, we're going to be in a good, good situation. I also have to imagine like this crisis probably, uh, you know, only aids the, the need and the call for something like UBI and the conversation to start implementing it, I think has to be growing. A hundred percent. I think that was a very satisfactory feeling uh, when, you know, they, the White House started talking about cutting people checks. Right, right. Wow, what a day for all of us who worked so hard on the campaign. Yeah, but I mean, that was only like a one-time check, you know? So that's not UBI. I feel like he got, I feel like Andrew got a lot of credit for that, but. Well, I think if the idea hadn't been as mainstreamed, I don't know that they would have been as open to it. I do think, I don't think he gets all the credit. I do think he gets some. And I I know it's not basic income, but it's a step in the right direction. You know, like they're going to be a lot more likely to to send it again if they've done it once. Right. Whereas if they had never done it, it might be, they might be less likely to do it ongoing 
versus a one-time deal. So right. I see it all as progress. I'm the eternal optimist. <laughs> I try <laughs> to see the positive and everything. So no, that's totally fair. I, I do think they did it in 2008, but I, I totally wholeheartedly agree that um, the conversation around the stimulus check this time is a lot bigger. And I think the likelihood of them ever making it reoccurring is definitely higher than it was at any point. And that's yeah. because of Yang. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, Spain just did it, right? Didn't they just yeah. implement UBI? That's crazy. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, the great thing about that too is we're, we're going to have some data, some real data right. from Spain uh, so that we can say, hey, this is not making people lazier. I right. mean, what do you think about that, John? I mean, or do you feel like basic income? Oh, it's more- ridiculous. I, yeah. I think people, there's an inherent natural desire to produce things, to have strong convictions, to work. But um, I, I mean, I totally buy the argument of uh, when you don't feel like a cog, when you have some self-agency, you yes. actually are more productive and more helpful for society. Yes, 100%. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's funny that people think that uh, people are just going to get lazy. If people are lazy, then they're going to be lazy after basic income. But most right. people, <laughs> they don't stop working. Right. They keep, exactly. keep working. The only, <laughs> thing I, the only thing I, I do question about, about yeah. UBI, because I don't, I guess, know enough about it, is how do you um, like count for, why wouldn't they just increase rents? for a thousand two hundred dollars after uh it gets implemented or why wouldn't the inflation just respond based on the thousand two hundred why wouldn't companies just give you slightly less of a salary because of it mm-hmm. uh, so i could answer this obviously andrew answers it much better um and so does scott santons you can look at his stuff but basically what it boils down to is here's the example that andrew's given if for example the hamburger cup place jacks their hamburger prices up to $10 instead of five. Right. And then you go there and you're like, I'm not going to go to that place because this other place still has it for $5. Right. Eventually the prices are going to have to go back down because people are going, the competition will, will get things back to, to right. set normal to a normal situation. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I buy that. I think that things don't happen in a vacuum and it's not like you pull one lever down and another lever switches up. It's obviously much more nuanced um, than that. But I think the thing that everybody agrees on is uh, data would certainly be helpful. So I'm, I'm pretty excited to see how it comes out with Spain. Yes, me too. So Andrew Yang ends his campaign. Uh, there's a little bit of time, but you launch your podcast about a week ago, right? You have one episode out. So what, what's been going on in between Andrew suspending and you launching your podcast? And then we'll get into why you started your podcast and what it's about. So I actually, uh, since the end of the campaign, I've been recovering from what I think now might have been COVID-19. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. So I'm glad you you've recovered. Yeah, yeah. So um, I, I actually, the last week on the trail, I got sick and was had had a really bad fever and was knocked out basically. Wow. Anything, and um, and then of course we suspended. So I came home 
um, and then have been dealing with walking pneumonia and just getting well for all this time. Right. Um, thankfully, I'm there. Like I, I went and ran this week for the first time, which is great. And nice. I am, yeah, like I'm, I'm an active person. I play soccer. I'm in the gym, so it's a tough situation. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I guess since being done with the campaign, I've just, you know, been home taking a breather because we were going really hard. And so it's been nice to have a break from everything. Right. Um, read books, think mm-hmm. about things other than politics, because as you might imagine, when you're running for president, it's pretty much all consuming. So. Oh, for sure. I bet you had. Uh, you know, a huge decompressing moment because you, you there's virtually no opportunity to process what you're going through because it's so fast paced. Yes, it's constant. Right. So you you launch your podcast, Rethinking Humanity. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us about it. Why why do you launch it? What's it about? Yeah. So uh, I am um, part of the reason why I became so enamored with. Andrew Yang's platform was because of an author that I read a few years ago. His name is Eric Fromm. He was a German psychoanalyst, psychologist, and philosopher. And he wrote several books about um, how we are living in our society. And there were so, he was very much a humanist, and there were so much overlap between what Eric Fromm wrote about mm-hmm. and what Andrew Yang's platform was. And so it's part of the reason why I was so gung-ho about, um, about his campaign. But I have been passionate about these ideas uh, for a while now. And so um, when I got home, I actually was, I was interviewed on another podcast. And when they finished interviewing me, they said, Lacey, you are really good at this. It's like, we didn't, we just did everything in one take and, you know, whatever. <laughs> And um, and they're like, have you ever thought about doing this, like doing a podcast or whatever? Right. And I'm, yeah, I kind of have, but I don't really know what I'm doing. And you know, I'm right. open to. It. They offered to help me. Wow. So I said, yeah. And then I have a friend. Her name is Sonia, who she's also the co-host on the podcast. She and I uh, enjoy talking about these type of themes. Mm-hmm. And so um, I said, hey, Sonia, let's. let's do this uh let's just do it let's try it let's see how we feel see if people like it see if we enjoy it and and go from there have you gotten a good reaction so far yeah we've had a great reaction we've had people in 10 different countries listening um we've had over 120 listens since we launched which is i don't i mean i think it's fabulous yeah that is congrats it's amazing i'm learning a lot about about all of this obviously uh, right as i but I feel very fortunate because I think in life, a lot of times there are circumstances that we don't plan mm-hmm. or we wouldn't have brought to pass in our own lives if it was up to us that cause us to do things that we wouldn't have done otherwise. And I would say that COVID-19 and the lockdown has brought me to a place where I took a risk and started the podcast and right. I'm super enjoying it. And I think you know, the feedback that I've gotten is like, you know, you're talking about things that, that matter, that mm-hmm. we can relate to, that we want to hear about, keep it up. Right. Uh, somebody was like, I started and I was just going to listen for like five minutes and then I just couldn't listen, couldn't stop listening. That's so, amazing. Yeah. That's the best feedback. Yeah. I mean, I, I wholeheartedly agree. And I, I love what you were saying of like, 
you starting this podcast not to uh, necessarily promote a personal brand or tout you, you know your own voice, but it's really just these ideas that you need to get out or you feel compelled to get out and that you, you look around and no one, no one else is necessarily doing it. So you're just like going to step up to the plate. And I think that makes the most organic content and the most uh, compelling content. And, and I can totally tell that when I listen to your episode. Cool. That's yeah. awesome. I also like that, um, you know, you, it's a nice uh, adjacent, like it's a nice extension to Andrew Yang's kind of philosophy. It's called rethinking humanity. His whole thing is humanity forward, but it's not, it doesn't seem to be super nitty gritty into politics, which I think it makes it pretty accessible. Yeah. And I mean, that's super part of the, the plan and was part of the plan. Uh, as someone who's never been really super involved in politics, I, I want to probably continue. The only person that I would <laughs> change that for is the only person that I've changed it for in the past, you right. know, Andrew. Um, but I, I like the fact that the themes really do overlap. Mm -hmm. um, but but we're not talking about about politics. And so, but, but the beautiful thing is, there is a, a foundation that those ideas lay that can help people to understand why it's important to have a government who is led by someone like Andrew Yang. Exactly. You, you and Sonia mentioned uh, social capital, which is something uh, people who know me know I'm like a deranged lunatic because I keep mentioning it. I think it's so vitally important and yes. so like depleted. And I think it, it is related to politics, but it doesn't have to be. It's just the idea that uh, we're all connected and we have these rules of reciprocity when we know our neighbors. And if you, you trust your neighbor and you have a community that um, you know, feels like it's one, that changes your day-to-day -day interactions. And it, it, it's a very significant thing in this country that is no longer. It is, it's true. And I, I learned a lot about how little community we have or how much we've lost uh, after living abroad. Because right. you know, my experience abroad was, it was very easy for me to find community, to have community, to build community. And right. since I've been home, it's like, no, you know what the norm is? The norm is, is to be home alone looking at your phone. Like that. Exactly. Oh my God. And that's so miserable. And not only is it miserable because as human beings, we need interaction with other human beings. Right. But it's also miserable because, you know, looking at your phone all the time it has been, you know, studies have shown that that makes us depressed. So we are a society that we keep, we're running around the circle where we're, we keep going to things that are not going to satisfy us. We're reaching for things that aren't satisfying us. Right. And, and so, yeah, I, I, the social capital is super important and it's a huge reason why, um, I want to, I want the message out rethinking humanity because at the end of the day, we are human beings and human beings run society. Mm -hmm. Why can't we write it the way that it works best for all of us? Why can't we? Right. We aren't doing this because some numbers that need to be high on certain charts. We're doing, we're all here because we want to enjoy life. You right. Know? The, and, the metric the North star of the economy used to be, how do we, uh, well, it was always let's maximize profit because that, that's capitalism. And that's 
not morally good or bad. It just is. Uh, mm-hmm. But that was closely indexed to maximizing people's happiness for a long time. Those two things were correlated and it's fine. But now right. we've gone to a point where we're so hyper efficient that we're maximizing profits so much that it's at the expense of people's happiness and uh, to an extent humanity, which is exactly what Andrew talks about. It's exactly what you talk about in your podcast. Yep. Yep. And that's exactly what Fromm talked about. And what's cool is that he was talking about this in the fifties in the forties. Interesting. Yes. He was, he could see this already uh, way back then. Wow. Yeah. I mean, he's like, we are become production crazy and consumption crazy. And we are ignoring the things that we need as human beings to really thrive, to live and to be happy. And so, and then, you know, I was actually listening to a little bit of the Sane Society, which is another one of his books today. And he was talking about how just because we're all, you know, similar in our neurosis doesn't mean that we're sane. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and that's kind of what it boils down to. I, I just, I don't know. I just love his ideas and I love the hope that it, um, that it embodies because what it says is like we can live differently than this right well do you have do you have hope for the future oh absolutely things are changing i mean i i think if i don't have hope for the future what am i doing still (laughs) so yes it's i mean i i try to be as real as i can be i want to be real because i don't want to live in fantasy land but i also want to be positive right so yes i believe that things can change uh, for the better. Um, do I see the, the junk in the system? Yes. And I know that we need some big changes for that to happen. But if there's somebody as courageous as Andrew Yang, get out there and, and freaking do what he did. I believe now the, the message and has been spread and the example has gone out of what that looks like. Right. So I, I definitely am hopeful for the future. I, I look, I started my podcast because I wanted to explore the ideas I believed were shaping this decade. And I love the fact that you're doing the exact same thing in yours. So Lacey, thank you for being on the show. Uh, best of luck. Take care. Thank you, John. Appreciate you. All the best. All right. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Unspeakable. It'd mean the world to me if you could follow my podcast on Spotify or subscribe to it on Apple Podcasts. For more info, visit theunspeakablepod.com.